0: Welcome to The Trainers' Tribe, a podcast for group fitness business owners who want a reliable business that gives them the freedom and impact they desire. My name is Kyle Wood, and I'm joined by Dale Sidebottom. We're the first people to tell you that working harder or working longer is not necessary. We've both built successful boot camps and created profitable online businesses, which has given us the lifestyles that we love. How do you build a fitness business that's both profitable and that you love working on? That's why we created this podcast. Let's dive into today's episode.
1: Alrighty, guys. uh, Welcome to uh, episode nine of the Trainers Tribe. And today, Kyle, we're very lucky. We've got, uh, I suppose, a little bit different of a guest than what we'd normally have on, but we've brought on one of my friends, Jared Robinson. Welcome, Jared.
2: How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: No worries, mate. Now, for a bit of a background on Jared, uh, he's a PE teacher like myself. But where we think our listeners are going to get a lot of quality content today is that Jared's gone from being a PE teacher and he's turned that into a full-time online business. And he's is killing it. So we're going to basically get a little bit of his journey, how he's got there, and now some of the things that he's put in place. So I think he was mentioned before that he only works two or three hours a week, which <laughs> is uh, pretty nice for some sort of us that are working two jobs out there. So yeah, Kyle, I don't know if you've got anything you'd like to say before we start, mate. How's your week been? Good. Good?
0: I'm feeling pretty tired, actually. Okay. Because I just had my PT session. And uh, he made me climb climb the rope. It was actually kind of like being back in PE. I could never climb the rope. Oh, we, man, like, I tell you what. <laughs> and then he's like, You know, climb the rope, you're not allowed to use your legs. It's just like, What?
1: You'll be right, mate. So, I'll, uh,
0: it's I'll, good to I'll see my fitness progress. <laughs>
1: it's back 12, in uh,
0: 13. you
1: well. got two PE teachers here, mate, so yeah. we'll go real easy on you. So. Um, <laughs> So, Jared, if you'd just like to uh, basically give us, uh, I could go in and give it for you, but talk a little bit about your background, mate. How are you going to teach him and where you're from and everything like that?
2: Well, we grew up in that amazing area of Victoria, the Golden Valley. I was on the right side of the river, though, Dale. I think <laughs> you were on the wrong side of the river, um, obviously, <laughs> coming from Arubna. But, you no, know, I've always been interested in, in phys ed, you know, probably because it was the only subject that I used to sort of excel in, probably very similar to you, I would imagine. And um, that led me down the path of, you know, eventually being a teacher. But I was always interested in phys ed and and technology. So, you know, at the same time as being involved in football and track and field and et cetera, I was very keen on writing websites and playing video games. And somewhere along the line, that became the thing that I was interested in. I went and, and studied to become a teacher there. We actually went to the same university and lived together, which was another little cool I don't know I even know how that happened but you ended up in the unit randomly in in the unit where I was and then here we are you know I ended up at a school that I had a lot of a lot of flexibility in to use tech and I started a blog out of a hobby interest in two thousand and eight same year I joined Twitter and then from there have sort of just exploded with you know trips all around the world writing websites for all sorts of different things, applications, et cetera. And it's gone on to become a seven figure business that basically lets me do what I do now, which is work very limited, but on the things that I actually really enjoy, which is helping teachers use technology. Does that cover it, Dale? Yeah, that's pretty good, mate. And I suppose one of the, <laughs> the big things that we will talk to you about
1: is we know you've got a whole truckload of resources and things that you've created, but and we will get into this. But obviously, you haven't always just worked two or three hours a day a week. I mean, you've uh, gone from where you're working, juggling two full-time jobs, and you're working in excess of 100 hours a week. For sure. And I know that, well, I'm in sort of a similar boat at the moment. A lot of our readers and listeners out there are in the same situation where they're juggling two careers. They might've started being a PT or running a boot camp as a side job and it's starting to go really well. How did you finally just say, right, I'm, I'm just going to focus solely on my online business. Like it's such a massive jump.
2: Well, it is, it absolutely is. And you know, I've been there in that same situation working a hundred plus hours a week, doing pretty much nothing but work. And I loved it. And don't get me wrong. I value a need to do that. I think everyone has to have those periods of hustle and drive and, especially when you're trying to create something new. I think you know yourself it's, it's that hard work that will eventually lead to success. And, um, I wouldn't say don't do that ever, but at some point it got to a stage where my real value was not in the work that I was doing for most of the time. It was actually in the stuff that I was doing, on my side project. So the side project actually grew to a point where my impact and my ability to help people was far greater there than it was in the classroom day to day. So what does that mean like for someone who's studying their own bootcamp business? You know, eventually your probably real value isn't in you sitting there training your own clients one-on-one, you being the person doing that at some stage, maybe it is you being outside of that and hiring other people to do that role for you. So I was in that, Crossroads, and I made the jump, and there's been that way more value. The business has grown because of it, and therefore, my ability to do the things that I'm really passionate about and can only do has sort of opened up. I know you'd be the same, Dale. Like, what's the thing that you do best in your world, do you think? Jesus, put me on the spot. I thought I
1: was interviewed, Joe, but uh, <laughs> no, I suppose uh, I'm quite similar to you. I see myself as more of an educator and uh, being able to motivate people. So. I'm like you, though, where I, and I know a lot of our listeners are saying that they love all their professions they do. So I love teaching and I love running my PT sessions, my boot camps and my online business. And I know you were the same, but it, I suppose you, you've you actually taken that big risk. And I know Kyle's done the same, whereas mm-hmm. solely working online now, it's a massive thing to do.
2: It is. It is. It's a risk and it's a gamble. And, but, you know, I look at the thing that's the most scalable and the, the thing that can have the most impact. And it's for me, as much as I loved teaching, I, I couldn't do that in the classroom. And it was at the same time, my ability to like actually have a business that helped myself, you know, I was, I was probably putting my health in jeopardy as well, you know, by working these hundred plus hour weeks and eventually it made sense. So Kyle, what was the thing that led you down that path? Of working less. Uh, mostly, like it was,
0: you know, with training, you have scheduled appointments throughout the day. I um, mean, mm-hmm. even with like working a PE job, you've got, you know, you're set nine to five hours with training. It's like working in the morning, working in the evening. And even if you're only doing, say, six hours a day of training people, because it's so spread out, it's it feels like a full day and it just becomes exhausting after a while like getting up early every morning and I mean I guess you would have been doing the same thing and you daily getting up and it wasn't sustainable like there was so many times when I came like that close to burning out and then um, I have to take time off and then I come back but it was just repeating the cycle I knew that for my own health that I needed to find
2: I needed to find a different way Yeah. I love it. Same as me. I, I, you know, there was a burning the candle from both ends literally and my ability to help people was limited. And then therefore my health also was becoming something that had changed a lot and it was, you know, I, I wouldn't go back and change any of it, but finding that thing that you can do best and then trying to find, which for me is the online stuff and helping people as much as I can and getting rid of the things that, I still enjoyed but didn't or weren't scalable has been an absolute revelation a revelation for me in the recent year. So uh, to it's you Yeah, know, I want to hear more about that.
0: Yeah, because okay.
1: basically you're still running such a I know you're running a lot of businesses and uh I know you've got me down this part, but hiring virtual assistants. Now I know this may sound strange and, and way out there for some of our listeners, but that's Probably one of the main reasons you've been able to reduce your workload because you've employed others. So, for people that don't know much about virtual assistants, do you want to just explain maybe how you go about it, how many you've got working for you? I think it'll blow a few people's minds, and it has mine, and why why it's so beneficial for your business.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's something that's happened gradually. So, people listening, it's it's definitely not you go from one moment where you've got. Just you working on every single aspect of your business to then having people beside you helping you out. It's a gradual process, and it started off with hiring people very similar to you, Dale, where you're getting someone to do one task. So, yep. you know, they're, you're hiring them to build an app for you, or you're hiring someone to build your graphics, or do this, or do that. And eventually, you start to realize that there's a massive amount of value in this. Like, this, this whole mindset is present in our daily life. Like, if you're hot water, tank blows up what do you do well i'd I'd get a plumber because i don't know what to do Mm -hmm. exactly but you know the vast majority of people who are starting their businesses think they're a logo design expert think that they're a video editing guru and they end up spending all this time on things that absolutely don't really bring any result to their business at all and Mm -hmm. i mean you have to do that in the early days absolutely don't get me wrong but at some point you have to then realize hey my time is way more valuable working on the things that only I can do. And if I can you know, pass this job off to someone else who can do it faster than me, then I get more time to do the things that only I can do. And that was the mindset that eventually led me down the path of going, well, hey, if I can get a lot of value with one person, imagine if I can get how much more value I can get if I have two or three or four people who are deliberately I'm doing everything in their power to do one role for me on an ongoing basis. And that's pretty much what a virtual staff is or a virtual team member. They live somewhere in the world. I've never actually met any of the people that work for me. (laughs) We speak all the time through Slack or through Skype or some of those tools. And their job is literally to do one piece of the puzzle on an ongoing basis for me. And it frees me up to work on the things that Um, only I can do, which is the creation of the content that I, you know, that's relevant to my audience. And for you, it's probably another thing. It's something that only you can do. I know Dale coming up with new ideas for games and boot camps, and, and that's the thing that you do best. So sitting there and trying to edit a podcast or, you know, build your website from scratch, why would you do it? Find someone who can, you know, bring about a result for you much faster. And that's probably what a virtual staff does for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I know that you've been very proactive in sort of. Guiding me in the right direction to make that decision to go that, and since I've got about three that uh, work for me now, and I know that, and I suppose this would be very sort of beneficial to all our listeners as well. But graphic design is quite important with personal training, boot camps, all advertising, our resources, and things like that. Do you want to just talk us a little bit through how I've got Will, the Filipino, that uh, <laughs> does a fantastic job with all my graphics? How I've got how, how that's all come about.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, you're leveraging the virtual staff and the the global talent pool that exists and just so happens, I mean, it wouldn't matter where this person lived. They just happen to live in the Philippines. They just happen to have a skill set and we're crying out for work. And, you know, we managed to hire this person and we all collect in a Slack channel, which is like a collaborative chat room, basically. And we just have this ongoing job with him. And we just request jobs. And I know you request lots of jobs with him and he knows your style and your design and your flair. And they're all the things that you're getting now is you're now saving time on stuff that you used to have to do repeatedly, which was explained to new people every time what you wanted and what your sort of style and design structure and stuff was like. And now you're getting consistency in your brand. You're getting this, um, you know, high quality results that are coming through. And it really does pay. And you're not paying a lot either for the purpose of this. So at some point, you do need to think about the quality of finding someone who can do something that you can't do to bring about a higher result. And the the way I think about this is all in effective hourly rate terms. And if you're not familiar with this, this is something that applies to every business. And your effective hourly rate is a measure of, you know, should be a measure of everything. And basically, you work it out by thinking of how much you earn in profit terms, so in profit terms, and you divide it by how many hours you actually work to get it. And if you sit down now and do that, you'll probably be quite surprised because your effective hourly rate probably isn't very much. Mine was $5 per hour at the peak of when I was doing 100-plus hour weeks. And put that into context, what would you actually do to get rid of something for $5 an hour? Like, I could pay a graphic designer $5 to do a task that is going to take me probably three hours. So think about it when you actually know what your effective hourly rate is, you know what you're worth and you know how much you'd be prepared to then have someone do a job for you. And until you know that, you're not actually thinking in the right terms of what it costs to do something on your own when you can get someone else to do it. Um, it's a fascinating exercise. Well, that was going to
0: be my question. Cause I was yeah. going to be like, for someone like me, who feels like, I can do everything best. Like I have, that, have had that attitude with my business for a long time that the idea of outsourcing, I guess, is kind of scary and especially maybe because maybe I've had experiences where it hasn't been so great. So like what would your advice be to someone who's in that position where they maybe it's their first time outsourcing so they haven't worked with someone before so they're a bit unsure of maybe you know, they've always worked as an employee before and suddenly you're, you're someone who someone to um, yeah, they've had a bad experience before, and then they're like, "Okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm just going to do everything myself." Or you're yeah, like,
2: I mean, it's there's there's lots of advice. I think the number one thing to think of is, let's say you've got two staff operating at seventy percent. What does that equate to? Seventy percent. One hundred forty percent. Does it? One hundred forty percent. So you've already. 70 percent out- oh, of me. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So you've already outperformed yourself by forty percent. So if you think that you are the person that has the skills and knowledge and everything in everything, then you are really shortcoming the growth of your business because two people running at 70% or even 60% is still a greater performance than what you can possibly do on your own. Mm -hmm. But you know, it is, it's a scary world. Like I would advise people to start small. You know, you don't need to go and hire someone full time, 40 hours a week to get value from this. You know, I've got a person who I hired last week, And they're they're only working with me for five hours a week. That's it. That's the only task I need them to do. Mm -hmm. It's something that annoys me. It was scheduling social media posts across like Instagram and Twitter and so on. I would imagine a lot of people are, you know, dabbling in social media. Why you need to be the person sitting there doing that is, is definitely something that you should consider getting rid of finding someone who does that for you only and you know, then you've just freed up four or five hours for yourself for the week to work on things that are high, much more valuable. So the the success I've had with virtual staff has always been starting small, starting at a place like upwork.com, putting up a job, keeping it to a finite amount. You have complete control over how much you choose to pay someone or who you choose to work with. And um, yeah, start small and grow from there. So a couple of my virtual staff that I've had a really good experience with they started out in 2 or 3 hours a week lots and then I've just gradually grown their um, the amount they work with me until they're up around you know 40 hours a week now and integral parts of the team and if they weren't there then there would be someone else to do it because they document everything they do for me so that the the knowledge doesn't live in their head it lives in the business and can be transferred to someone else. So a couple of important rules there. And I would read the virtual freedom book. It's the absolute holy grail of virtual staff written by Chris Ducker. And that'll sort of set you on the right path to just even a mindset shift because I was like you, I wanted to do everything myself, but the thing that really made it clear for me was, you know, two people running at 70% you've already pretty much doubled your, or, you know, your ability to to get stuff done. Yeah. Oh, really, really and I, I
1: suppose the big thing is and i know now I've, I've got quite a few that work for me as well jared and that the more specific uh, with your instructions the better the results are going to be and you have to realize that most of these come from different countries and that they don't have the same ideas or vision that you do so yeah sometimes it can be a little bit harder but at the end of the day you know you're getting what you paid for and once you find a really good working relationship then it's such a good skill you know they are fantastic so as i said i'm i'm a big believer in them and i know i was speaking to you the other day about this call that the amount of work they can sort of take off your hands and really do a really good job of i think it's uh, fantastic so i suppose that leads us into the next question and i know with a lot of sort of boot camps and things like that is all trying to generate leads through facebook google ads everything like that um, now Jared, what are some of maybe the best tools that you've used through your emailing list or lead pages or click funnels, anything like that to generate leads
2: through Facebook or just to build your audience? Well, I mean, firstly, if if you're listening and you don't have an email list, then that's the first thing that you need to do at your action step. Get off create an account at MailChimp or anything. Just get started collecting emails. As sooner you do it, the better. Because email is really the only relationship that we have with a potential customer that we own, like Facebook. You may have a big list of people who like your page. You don't really know who they are. And if Facebook decides that you're not following the rules of their game anymore, they get rid of you. So start with email. And that's the focus for me is, is you know building that email list as big as I can. And a few tools that help with that... I do have Thrive Themes, which is a WordPress plugin that you can install, and um, it's a one-time fee. It's like ninety-nine dollars US or something, and then you can build landing pages and you know opt-in forms so people can sign up for your stuff. So you need to be able to do something like that where you can collect emails. And the good part about Thrive Themes are is that it has lots of little templates so that you could you know easily put up a new program and the details of it and then say, click here to go onto the waiting list and then start building up some interest um, from people who might be interested in whatever you're looking to sell. So you've got to have some ability to store the emails and some ability to capture them with some sort of landing pages. And then from there, well, I mean the game is pretty, pretty exciting. So Facebook is hugely, hugely popular for, for capturing leads. And, you know, I run advertising campaigns from Facebook all the time and you can do it so easily. You just go in, create an ad set, get a nice image that is eye-catching and, you know, is going to attract attention and drive people to that landing page that you created in Thrive Themes or Lead Page or whatever you're using and get them on your list. And the best part about the Facebook is that and it's particularly relevant to the people listening is that you can target by Area. So if you're running boot camps in Richmond, in Melbourne, then the people in Richmond and Melbourne can be the only people who see that ad and can be driven to um, the the email list that you have created for them. So for me, I have constant ads running every single day. I change them up every week. So every time I do a new blog post or a new content piece, that becomes the, the thing that I swap out and continue driving my audience to that particular offer and just builds up my audience so I can continually communicate with them. That's, uh, and I suppose that'll lead me to my next question. So
1: you spoke highly of your, how you use emails to sort of build content, re- relate to like your clients, your customers, everything like that. What else do you use that sort of the content from your web, like your email list to do? I know you're very big with your workshops and things around the world. How do you then turn your email
2: list into actual customers when you do your face-to-face workshops? Yeah, really good question. So very similar to what people would want to do here. I mean, an email is, is, is not much on its own, is it? It's just, it's an email address. Yeah. So the very next step, whenever you've got email from an email address from anyone is you want to try and find out more about that person. So um, a lot of the, the tools that we've spoken about, MailChimp, et cetera, they allow for you to do things such as an auto respond. Autoresponder. So the minute someone gets on your list, it sends them an email welcoming them, you know, and inviting them to fill out some more information. So the more you know about the people, the more you can help them. So one of the very first things that happens in my list when people sign up is they get a survey. That survey asks them where they live. It asks them, you know, what they teach and what their problems are. And while that's really helpful for me, it's helpful for them too because they get to express their things that are troubling them. But I get to know more about my audience. So your bootcamp listeners and people running their own little programs, as soon as someone jumps on your list, you should be knowing where they are, where they live, what they have had experience in. You should be knowing what they're willing to spend on all the different programs that you may offer because they become marketing points that you can then position to those people and offer them down the road. So if you've just got an email list, an email on your list, and you're missing so much of the story about things that you could potentially offer to them later. So the first step I would say to, able to answer your question is find out more about them so that the offers that you create can be relevant to those people. That's the first step. And for me, once I know the country that they're in, and I know the problems that they've got, makes it really easy for me to plan where my next workshops are going to be, where my next events are going to run, what my next lot of programs are going to be that I sell. Um, and without that data, then you're sort of just doing it blind. So know more about the people who are on your list and uh, it's a really big, big arsenal.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, perfect, mate. Perfect. What tool do you like most for running, sending out surveys?
2: So I use a tool called Typeform. And um, type form is just because it looks amazing. You can use something like SurveyMonkey as well. I mean, or Google Forms, if you've got no budget and you just want to get the data, Google Forms will let you do the same thing. And the important thing for me is, and it's a little bit more of an advanced step here, but on my email list, uh, everything that people give as a survey response, that becomes a tag for that particular person. So if Dale signed up to my list and my um, had is email address and his responses were that he teaches in a high school and that he was, you know, in this city, then those tags live on that person's contact in my email list. And what that means is that I can go to my email list and search for people who live in Melbourne and there they are, all the people who have said that they are in Melbourne are appearing. So if I have a Melbourne workshop, I can now offer it to the people who are only relevant for that particular email message and relevancy is one of the most important things that you can have with your information. So yeah, any tool that lets you find out more and record that data is, is going to be really, really useful in your marketing purposes.
0: Okay. And does Typeform just plug into MailChimp in that way or do you use something else?
2: Yeah. Typeform does plug into MailChimp and any other sort of responder that people would probably be using so that when people fill out their survey responses, that data is being pushed across and then you can filter and search your list by that data that people provide. And I actually encouraged people every year to fill out an extensive survey i on my list. So my mine's approaching like 20,000 phys ed teachers across the globe. And every year we do an update of the information that is on the list. And I just incentivize them to complete the survey by turning it into a competition. So the people on my list, Hey, let's win an Apple watch, send them the, the survey link. And they are filling out a survey that only they can complete because it's related to my audience. And if they gave it to their mother, then their mother wouldn't have a clue of how to answer it. So the survey is really relevant. But then they, they unwillingly, they're giving me information about um, their biggest problems and their biggest, you know, issues and all the where where they live, etc. By product, I get to target more deeply when i market but i also get probably the next year's worth of content in the form of blog posts and podcasts so i literally sit there on automatic while people give me the ideas that i blog about and also give me the data that i market for it's all inbound marketing that um is completely yeah completely powerful yeah i can see that being so
0: important like i know you know say a lot of trainers they want to add some sort of nutrition program to their boot camp but they're just assuming that that's what their clients want and then they go through all this effort to launch it and then they don't get any reception on it. So being able to really understand their audience and especially to understand the people who are maybe on their email list but aren't attending like what's missing. Why are they they're interested in your business obviously but what's stopping them from actually coming along to a session. The area. Yeah,
2: for sure yeah the more you know the more you can serve people and you shouldn't assume anything i've been down that path before and it's not pretty and it's not full of the best results you could get like the, the key here is find out as much as you can and and then serve them relevant relevancy again is, is the key word the more relevant you can be the better you can serve them so that person who's not coming to your boot camps they may reveal in their survey the reason And it could be a quick fix could be, Oh, Hey, you know, if I just had a different session running in a different place, boom, now I've got a whole new customer base that's going to be running over in this location. So they can give us some wonderful insights. We just have to actually ask. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time we don't. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's
0: good. That's awesome.
2: yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's powerful.
1: <laughs> I didn't call myself sitting here taking more notes and. Okay, uh, <laughs> we had uh, we had a lot of, sort of questions here for you, Jared, But I think I've got an extra page now of things that I need to do for uh, my online businesses. So uh-huh. I suppose you've given us so much there, mate. This is something that I suppose we're too for you now. I know that you've got something pretty big coming up in Dubai later in this year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, I've done lots of travel. I've been to almost 40 countries now training teachers and running workshops and marketing those, but that's a finite resource time to travel. It's, it's it's huge. So I'm trying to wind back that a lot so that I can focus on things that are far more leveraged, like online communities and things that I can do from wherever I am. So I mean, just recently I did a, um, which Dale you presented in an online conference with seven and a half thousand people that registered and I didn't leave this room and I'm in here right now. It's um, you know, and we delivered all across the globe. So I'm excited about those things way more now than the physical travel. But in saying that I am sort of positioning everything to be an like an annual physical meetup conference, which is happening in Dubai this year. Dale, you're presenting as a masterclass leader and um, that's sort of the big thing happening. It's going bigger than I have always done before. And there's a, there's a lesson there for everyone because you might be doing a boot camp or something and, and think and assume that you've got limits on how many people you can have or how many times you can do it. We we make these assumptions about things and they're not always true. And for me, I realized that the, the biggest assumption I had was that I could only have 40 people at a workshop at once. You know, this was the assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change that completely now because the conference that we are rolling out and you're presenting in is, you know, we're looking to sort of um, go 10x that. So that was just simply an assumption that I had that wasn't true. And I'm guaranteeing that there would be assumptions in your business and the things that you're doing that aren't true. So question everything and see how you can go bigger than than you probably could have thought before by just taking that roadblock off that um, is probably imaginary. Mm. No,
1: no, I know a lot of people out there thinking Jared's just a PE teacher but a lot of stuff that I use that I've learned with my boot camp is basically from my background as a PE teacher so where can we find out more about you Jared if people want to just get on and and see the amazing things you're doing obviously you've given away so much free content today but tell us where we can find you mate
2: yeah, I mean, I think there's parallels between what people are doing in a boot camp and what we're doing in a practice. You prove it, you know. You've taken both those worlds and exploded them. And you know, for me, if you want to find out about the phys ed world and and the technology stuff, like which is my main niche in the seven figure business, head along to. Thepeegek.com, which is you know where I write regularly. It's not all going to be relevant to you, but a lot of it will be, you know, apps and stuff that you could possibly integrate. And um, if you're interested in more of the online business world and how I'm doing what I'm doing and growing the business, then head along to theteacherpreneur.com. It is a website dedicated to basically exposing what's working in my online business, and we could talk about things that I'm doing at the moment that are all on that site. So I had. I'd recommend getting along, getting along to one of those. Awesome. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much, Jared, I suppose, for uh, taking the
1: time today to, yeah, give us your insight and all your expertise. And I know we both recently, Kyle and myself, watched a 30-minute um, presentation you did about, we'll, we'll add that to the show notes. And I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough where you basically talk about how you went from working 100 hour a 100-hour week to the simple things you've done. it was it about three months?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it was really quite profoundly uh, quick to make the changes because a lot of them were just assumptions that i had completely wrong my own mental blocks and i reckon that that applies to most people and i think we work on the wrong things a lot of the time and that was the big lesson in that talk we tend to spin our wheels on rubbish when we could be just focusing in on you know the things that that are meant to be focused on
1: yeah, and I, and I think that really hit home with Kyle and myself. And, yeah, we'll definitely make that as part of our, our show notes today. So um, hopefully thanks, you man. got some amazing stuff out of that, guys. I know that uh, Kyle and myself have spent more time writing than <laughs> worrying about the questions we're going to ask. I think you led most of the interview yourself, Jarrod. But thanks for taking the time today to speaking to us, mate. Really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man. See you. Thanks for having me.
1: All righty, guys. Thanks for listening. If you uh, really like our episode, you can uh, leave feedback and check out our show notes. Yeah, you can find
2: the
0: show notes to all our episodes at trainerstribe.com com forward slash
1: podcasts. Uh, and if you're feeling generous or you'd really like to let us know how you're feeling, you can go to iTunes and leave a really nice review for Kyle and myself.
0: Yeah, or if you want to help us spread the word and get more trainers, you know, putting some of this awesome stuff into action and helping to improve our industry, uh, just email this onto someone else or forward it or tell them about the show. We'd really appreciate it, it's really helpful.
1: I've been uh, Dale Sidebottom.
0: I've been Kyle Wood.